Welcome, everyone, to The Awakened Catholic Show. I am your host, Nick Delatore, and I am joined today by someone that I have a crazy crush on, uh, <laughs> Alina Delatore. And in case you're concerned, yeah. she is my wife. Stop it. Oh, the cat is destroying the couch. Anyways, uh, we have a great show coming up for you here today. But first, let's roll the intro. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have here in the house today... Monte Cristo. I was going to say, Alina Delatore, but you're right. Monte Cristo, the cat, the uh, one of the two... baby. One of the official awakened cats. You know, it's one of those things, you might see it in my eyes, actually. Um, it's one of those things where, like... He's severely allergic, when, but I when, love cats. When you have a severe allergy to something, and the people around you that care about you and love you, they, they don't bring that thing into your existence. You know, like, you have a peanut allergy... People don't get my children are allergic too, and I don't care. Yeah, we have two cats. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so <laughs> a little bit of background here. Humble Alina and I too. have been married for eight years, yeah, eight and a half almost. And oh, um, goodness, yeah, it's, it's weird. By so fast, weird. and we've been together generally for fifteen years. Oh my gosh, almost half our lives. Yeah, that's that's. Some weird stuff. Freaking crazy. Uh, And the Awakened Catholic Studios presently are in our home, which is why our cats are here with us. And uh, we have to take advantage of the fact that our kids are sleeping right now to record this episode. It's almost midnight. Alina, do me a favor. Tell us about yourself. Who are you? Me. Mm -hmm. I am Alina. Mm -hmm. People like to say my name wrong and it really makes me angry. It does make you unreasonable. I actually changed my spelling. It's it's spelled originally E-L-E-N-A. And people say Elena or Elena. My favorite is Elena. I hate that. Elena. It's like the worst. It's Alina. So I am rechanging it. Rechanging it? I'm changing it to be A-L-I-N-A. Because I'm sick of people saying Elena or Enough is Elena. enough. So that's me. Enough is enough. Make your voice heard. That's right. So, A-L-I-N-A, Alina, who are you? I am a child of God. Mm. Mm. I am a convert. Mm-hmm. I, From what to what? Well, I was kind of non-denominational, but I was baptized United Brethren, which I still love my UB churches, and I, I had a really awesome Whiteford Wesleyan church that I went to in Michigan a long time ago. So, happy memories, you know? What was happy about them? Uh, The community was great Mm. when I was a kid there. So I just, I loved going to church as a kid. And my parents... (laughs) (laughs) The cat. (laughs) It's like rubbing himself against Alina's microphone. (laughs) My parents um, always made sure we went every Sunday. So this whole quarantine thing has been Mm. really not good because this is the longest I've never gone to church in my life. I feel it taking a toll on my... My little soul. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is uh, the nature of uh, why the church asks that (laughs) of us. Um, But I don't want to give too much away. We have more of the show to come. So, Alina, next question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to me? Oh, I forgot I have to answer these tough questions. (laughs) He is my savior and 
my savior. <laughs> All right. No, that's a great answer. Um, amazing. All right. I yep. can't wait to give him a hug one day. Oh, I love that. Like, like it's crazy how I like you have your, your people that you idolize and you fangirl over. Like I got to meet Lorena McKennett. She's my favorite musician mm-hmm. and I literally almost passed out and I never understood like fangirling or whatever about someone you really idolize. Well, but that's how you felt about me before we started dating. Right? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Um, but like when I think about Jesus, like even I see it in my children too, when they talk about Jesus, Yeah. like there's just this well of like excitement and like fangirling, like I'm going to get to meet Jesus. Oh my gosh. Stop mm-hmm. attacking my knee. Stop it. Uh, um, she's talking to the cat, yeah, not me, the cat. in case you're listening and not watching. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, like, yeah, I, I have this deep connection to somebody whom I've never met. Like I've met him, but not like been held by him or Mm. I just can't wait for that day. That's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Give me an elevator pitch for a life as a Christian. Uh, It's the only thing that makes sense. But, but give me a little (laughs) bit more than that. (laughs) Life as a Christian um, gosh, I'm not good at these things. I'm not good at talking You're to humans in general. Right now. You're doing it. So why be a Christian? Why be a Christian? In a um, sentence or two. In a sentence or two. Because life is hard and doesn't make sense without God. Um, he is the beauty that makes everything worthwhile. Hmm. That yeah. that's good. I like yeah. that. All right. Now take it a step further. <laughs> Taking it a step further. What is your elevator pitch for <laughs> life as a Catholic? Life Christian? as a Catholic. All right. So I've been on both trains here. I've been the Protestant and a Catholic. So I I love the relationship that I built in my Protestant church. Um, and God called me to take it a step deeper. So I love that there's such a depth that I never knew existed until I started going down this Catholic road. (laughs) And it's been interesting, Mm -hmm. challenging, um, but it also has made me stronger in my faith. Like I have a confidence. I always had like a, a childlike confidence about my faith growing up because like it had never been really challenged. I never felt the need to look, look anywhere else or anything. I was very content, but God doesn't call us to just contentment. He calls us to challenge ourselves to, um, Be the person, be the great person you're meant to be, Mm. the saint you're meant to be, Mm. Um, because we're all called sainthood. Um, All right. Before we get any further, the people have spoken, Alina. (laughs) They did. What did they say? They want to make me queen? No. (laughs) That is not what the people have spoken about. (laughs) I wouldn't handle it well anyway. (laughs) The people have spoken and they want us to bring back the segment. Catholic weird stuff. Catholic weird stuff. Why do they do the things that they do? Let's learn some Catholic 
Today we're going to be talking about the weird stuff we do when we have to go to mass on Sundays. Um, so what some people don't know, and I'm not going to make any, you know, uh, unfair judgment calls on you. I don't know you likely. Maybe I know you. I don't know. Um, some people don't know, Alina, that it is uh, every Sunday is a holy day of obligation in a sense. And so they are, there are holy days of obligation. Wait, what is the Catholic weird stuff you're about to talk about? Sundays and going to mass. Oh, I thought we were talking about I changed something it different. up on you. <gasps> you tricked me. I did trick you. Continue. Okay. Um, so uh, I misspoke. I, what I meant to say is that uh, every Sunday is a day of obligation. We are obligated every Sunday to go to mass. Shabbat Shalom. And then there are unique days outside of Sundays that are holy days of obligation. Yeah, those were hard for me. Those are I those are so exceptional. Angry. I was like, you can't tell me what to do. Mm. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Feisty. She is a feisty one. <laughs> um, but so why? And a very prideful. You know, most Christians that are kind of authentically living the faith and like pursuing the Lord and doing their best to like live a life according to what Scripture depicts. Most Christians go to church on Sundays, mm-hmm. live in fellowship, interact with each other. Um, at least to the degree of going to to church on Sundays. Mm -hmm. Catholics are obligated to go to church on Sunday and specifically go to mass on Sundays. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. So why? Why? If you had to guess why. The Ten Commandments. No. What does the Ten Commandments say? You have to go to church on Sunday? Sabbath day holy, ding dong. That doesn't mean you have to go to mass. That. Is a good point. Yeah, I know. I try to only make that kind. <laughs> I need water. Uh, let me guess. The church tradition proclaimed it. Okay. The reason is that uh, you have to think about what the mass is. What are we being asked to do? Receive Jesus. Okay, so the church in its infinite love and wisdom for I have a mosquito bite. For people. It's really bad. Okay. <laughs> All right. Continue. The church in her love for us. It, you know, the, the church is a family. You and I are parents. We have kids. Yeah. There are expectations. There are things that you and I say, children, not because we they are... They don't ever listen, but... Well, so... <laughs> Not because you and I are tyrannical parents, but because we love our children. Mm-hmm. We give them rules. We tell them that there are things they that they we expect them to do or not do because we know what's good for them. The church, in understanding the incredible gift that we have in the Mass and in the Eucharist and in the fact that the God-man, infinity, comes down for us. Mm-hmm. The church is like, you should be there. Right. So it's for, for your own good. For that your they own say good. That. So did a pope say this or who said this? That's actually a good question. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's it's what the it's what is expected. Like we we as Catholics should go to mass, and sometimes it might not feel good. Sometimes it might be a little bit. Uh, Frustrating to try to fit it in on a camping trip, you know, a camping trip is not an excuse to not go to mass You could just bring a priest with you That is certainly an option or you can 
look up ahead of time where you'll be able to go to mass. I'd rather just hijack a priest. Okay. And bring them on. That is certainly a solution. Um, <laughs> vacation is not an excuse to not go to mass. Camping trips, sports. What if you're like throwing up and you're sick? That is absolutely a reason to not go to mass. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, here we are in the pandemic. What if you're like stuck? And you can't get to mass. Then you can't get to mass. But do you get in trouble for No, that? no. Okay. I was just clarifying. For no. People. I know the answer. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, thank you for clarifying <laughs> that. So there are circumstances that you uh, cannot do it. Even if you could, you, you would, but you can't. So right. what can you do? Um, that is not a sin. I mean, something that is outside of your power is not you committing a sin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important distinction. I appreciate you raised that. What if you like slept in accidentally and you missed mass? That's a little bit different because <laughs> sleeping in implies a lack of planning. It implies... What if you thought you set your alarm clock, but it didn't go off? Are, are we talking about something that happened to you? <laughs> no, I'm just being a little turd. Okay. <laughs> anyway... What are we talking about today, Nick? Okay, well, that has been your Catholic Weird Stuff segment for today. Catholics are weird. Oh, Lena. <sighs> How are you doing? I'm tired. Yeah? It's like midnight. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. So, Alina, you, yeah. you mentioned earlier that you are a convert. I want to hear a little bit about that story. I think that people really connect with stories about, uh, you know, totally upheaving your life. And yeah, it was definitely an upheaval. Overhauling everything. Uh, and, and, you know, Paradigm shifts. Yeah. And obviously it isn't just about you when that happens. It's about the people around you that mm-hmm. um, had mm-hmm. a certain understanding of who you were and how to relate to you. And when you make that kind of shift, right, all of that gets turned upside down. And then there are dynamics with, you know, your parents, family who brought you up as a, mm-hmm. a Protestant. Yeah, and that was hard for them. So, so let's kind of unpack that a little bit. Oh boy. Why, Gosh. why did you be like, feel drawn to the church? Why did I feel drawn to the church? So I would never have felt drawn to becoming Catholic. I don't think ever had it not been for you. So God used our relationship as tumultuous as it was to bring us closer to him. So when we started dating, I was a senior in high school and so were you. And you were, you know, Catholic by name, but you weren't a practicing Catholic. And I was very much a staunch Protestant. Um, I was uh, going to an assembly of God church and I was content. I was doing my thing, you know, and I had always been raised to never, uh, date someone who would not make a good mate. So our first date, literally I interrogated you and I was was like, how do you feel about gay marriage? What do you think about evolution? What do you, what religion are you? And all this stuff. But Nick was very like, Oh, you know, I'm Catholic, but I don't really, you know, I'm Christian, whatever. You played it off very chill. But that was also kind of how I felt. Like I was. Yeah, you were in a bad place. Well, no, I, you were in I a mean, horrible place. I mean, what I mean by that is, I, I, <laughs> I felt pretty indifferent to the topic. Yeah. So my response reflected that. And 
I figured, you know, Catholics, they're pretty wishy-washy, right? I'll change him. So, so we started dating and uh, stop eating the phone. Why is he eating stuff? Is he hungry? I don't know. Anyway, so... Uh, She's talking about had, the cat, not me, by yeah, the way. Yeah, sorry. If you're listening, you're listening. Watching. <laughs> So Nick was very... Um, we had a lot of conversations that were challenging because I'd never been with someone who is practically an atheist. You know, you were a practical atheist. You said you were Catholic, but you weren't living it. And you had lots of questions. And you have a very much a lawyer's mind, and I have very much an artist's mind. So I would speak in like beautiful poetry, and you would be like, yeah, but what's the logic there? And I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We would just fight, and I would leave crying like a lot of the times. It was horrible, but also like these were good conversations. It was calling me further mm. and deeper, and it was calling you to think less like black and white. It was challenging both of us in that way so eventually um long story short you became protestant with me you started going to our church together um with my family and that opened up your eyes to relationship with god for the first time like you had the foundations of it and your baptism and stuff the legality side but you finally And a lot of the information him. I had. Yeah, you like, had the information. I went to Catholic but you didn't have that heart yeah. connection. And you finally had that in that moment. Like God just used our relationship to bring you to him. And then further, um, there was still an unsettledness that you were struggling with. Like there were still a lot of questions, mainly church authority. Like there was, you needed that authority to really help you turn away from atheism because you were an atheist for quite a while there. And I didn't know, um, and that's why I broke up with you because you know, I didn't know that anyone (laughs) offered that. It wasn't like I knew it was an option, but I was not wanting that version of it. Like I just, I didn't. And I'm telling your conversion story, conversion, conversion story. Oh gosh, she's whipping out Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. Oh no, (laughs) we're in trouble people. (laughs) Anyway, um, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying your story because ours are very much intermeshed. Yeah, they really are. Um, you still had lots of questions. I thought I was like, yes, I have saved Nick and now we can get married and be Protestants together and it was going to be perfect. And then... Christopher West came to town Uh, and theology of the body. um, Thanks to this wonderful man here, John Paul II, he uh, changed the course of my life. Christopher West, JP2 and Nick, the three of them. Uh, I left that conference very unhappy. I did not like anything that theology of the body had to talk about in that moment. But Nick started to turn to the Catholic Church because of it, which made me very unhappy. <laughs> and I broke up with you for a good year. Yeah. And during that year, I just, I was upset, obviously, because I was like ready to marry you. We were almost going to like tie the knot, yeah. get married. It was going to happen. And I wasn't going to just marry someone because I loved that person. I wanted to marry someone because we had the same mission and we had the same belief system. Like that to me was so important. And I didn't want to raise my children Catholic. I was very much, because you were very much like, no, they're going to be Catholic. If we're going to do this, then we're going to be Catholic, you know? So I couldn't see how our worlds could fit. Hi, Monty. 
Um, so we broke up, and during that time, I was angry at God. I was very much confused because for something to to pull you away from me, the love of your life, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. had to have been really real. And I was like, God, where are you in all of this? So well, because I was such a skeptic, because you were such a skeptic, exactly. I was very aggressively a skeptic. Yeah. And to see Nick sold hook, line and sinker for this Catholic church was very alarming. And to see that he was changing because of it, like you had a lot of stuff in your past, a lot of bad habits and things. And I was watching you transform. I didn't like it. <laughs> And I wanted to tear it apart. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to prove this all wrong. So we had some mutual friends at the moment. And uh, one of them is Andrew Reinhardt, who is one of the hosts on the uh, Physically Spiritual show. And they were just awesome guys. And they kind of answered, well, they did answer all of my questions. Uh, A really great priest. This was all during college, by the way. So these were my college years. My college years did not consist of drinking. <laughs> um, mine consisted mainly of deep theological discussions, <laughs> my girl. which is fun. I mean, would occasionally have a Corona or something, but <laughs> <laughs> I was just like mad and I wanted to get to the bottom of this. So I attended like, uh, one of my best friends, her parents had, were in the process of converting as well, which I respected them. I respected their faith so deeply that to see another family leaving the Protestant world was like earth shattering again. It was Mm -hmm. just very confusing. And I was watching all these people that I admired and respected in their faith turning to this, this unholy Catholic church. Like, I'm sorry, it's not unholy, but in my view it was, Right. it was just weird. And so all my questions started getting answered. All of these, uh, um, what is the word? Challenges to your no, faith. No, no, no. Like things that I had been told all my life. Like oh, they worship Mary. Yeah, preconceived notions. Yes, or thank you. Falsehoods. Exactly. Yeah. I was told that they worship Mary, and and you know they they believe they can earn their way into heaven. All this stuff. Like that to me was huge. And what's really sad is. I never saw really good Catholic examples living out a true Catholic faith. All the Catholics I ran into, like teachers and stuff in the public school where I went, like I remember challenging our vice principal in my junior high. He was like, I forget what, he was waiting by the bus stop with me and we were talking about Jesus and God and I was like, oh, what church do you go to? And he's like, I go to this Catholic church, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, but he was like, yep. I believe that you just have to be really good and you get to heaven. And I was like, ah, that's not true. Oh man! And that's just like the epitome of what I saw Catholics as like you, you're good enough. You get to heaven, you check the box, you're in heaven, you know? Mm-hmm. So where was I going with that? That reminds really me of, late. I heard this comedian, uh, the other day she was talking about, um, religion and stuff. And she, I forget how this, how she segued into this, but she said something like, so what religion am I? I don't know. I grew up with five brothers and hated myself. And those are symptoms of being Catholic. So (laughs) yes. And that is not how it should be. So yeah, there's just so much confusion and so many, um, what is the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, 
the thing, the thing where people mm. think something wrong about something. <laughs> uh, misconceptions? No, I guess that works. That's not the word I'm wanting. I'm going to kick myself later. Anyway, misconceptions. You don't, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Okay, I won't, I guess. <laughs> um, so, all of these things were being shown to me that we they didn't worship Mary. Like, mm-hmm. all these lies that I had been told. Just because, like, the culture of America is very Puritan and Protestant. And that culture was just passed down to my family. And it's very much a cultural thing. And so, it's no one's fault, per se. Other than not challenging your own faith everyone does the best they can and i don't want to like poo poo on my family because my parents have such profound faith in Mm -hmm. god and they're still protestant but now they see like catholics are not evil Mm. which is so cool and i am all about unity like i want unity in the body body of christ body of christ (laughs) (laughs) All that to say, I spent a good year deciphering, like, what is going on? What does God want? I remember, like, even thinking about Judaism. I was, like, so world turned upside down, open to whatever. I really loved the Jewish roots of, you know, the Christian faith. Little did I know, like, that is exactly what I was wanting. Like, it was in the Catholic Church because... So much, I mean, it is Judaism with Christ. Fulfilled. Basically, Judaism fulfilled, right. Uh, But I, as I've said, I'm a very emotional creature. And God had to help me through that. Like, I had to have some emotional encounters. After a year of being broken up, we finally realized we can maybe work this out. I wasn't ready to convert yet, but I was definitely willing to raised children Catholic at that point. I still had a lot of anger towards the church Mm. and a lot of mistrust. Like, and it was just like not done. Like every time a Protestant that I I meet or know comes up to me like, so you're Catholic now? They're like so confused because why would anyone want to become Catholic? Like two Protestants, that's just not heard of, you know, most of the time. So let me assure you I'm not crazy (laughs) and I didn't do it for him it was because of Nick that I even thought it was a thing but if God forbid you die tomorrow I'll have the arms of the church to comfort me oof that's beautiful thank you Uh, are you planning on killing me maybe okay (laughs) I mean we did just get some really good life insurance oh my gosh Knights of Columbus. No, please don't die. If you die, I'm going to become a cat lady. Well, it's here on tape. No. Video. What if Um, something tragic happens? Like you get murdered and then they blame you. They're going to know. Anyway. The people are going to know. Rise up. So my conversion took a very long time though. So that was like the first part. And then there's like three years. No. How many years? Like a year and a half. After that, where I joined three different RCAA classes, oh, yeah. and then I dropped out of all of them because I was like, ugh. I you was, dropped out of the first two. Yeah, the yeah. first two. The third one finally stuck. But the first two, I was like, ah, screw this. I'm not going to do this. I don't want to be Catholic, blah, blah, blah. I'll just start my own church. <laughs> um, so You're amazing. 
But I did have some really profound experiences that helped. Like um, I went to a Steubenville conference and the, the tension I was wrestling with was when I went downtown Bowling Green, there were all of these different denominations and all of them were saying different things about very important issues. Who knows what is true? So it was very humbling because I thought I had all the answers and then I realized I didn't. And then I realized I needed somebody who did have all the answers. And then I realized that the authority that I was searching for rested in the Catholic church, which is the church Christ established. It is our Jewish church fulfilled, just like the Old Testament, the covenants in there are fulfilled in the New Testament our church, the Jewish church, whatever is fulfilled in this way. It's the Catholic church. Now Catholic church wasn't always perfect. People suck. And that whole Martin Luther schism thing, like, uh, yeah, it, it hurts. It's our family is broken and it's just like with the divorce. There's so many ripple effects with a divorce and Oh man, my heart just breaks for the whole situation because the strength we would have as a Christian family united would be so beautiful. And that's one thing I really liked when I was searching the Catholics that I ran into that were truly living the faith. They had such a a peace about them, like a a surety, like nothing was going to shake their faith Mm. because they had this authority. They had this they didn't have to have it all figured out for themselves. And something I've noticed a lot in interesting, like different pastors and stuff that I've been around, like, and other friends that are still Protestant, like they, they have this almost pride because they are their own authority and Christ. The Holy spirit does obviously no matter what will work outside of our failures and confusion. But you know what I mean? Like there's just a sort of, lone ranger type yeah, and, attitude and like the pride in in their knowledge and in figuring yeah. things out and and now there are prideful catholics too oh for sure but <laughs> but, but i want to like, hone in on that it's a different thing. The, the same same rules apply across the, the aisle there <laughs> oh my gosh um but what you're describing reminds me a lot of like the the gnostic heresy yeah which was this idea of well i mean an element of it was that you become saved or enlightened like through knowledge Um, i think saved through knowledge and it's like there's like a secret knowledge that you have to learn by being initiated and stuff Mm -hmm. and um and it's you know clinging to this idea that i have to figure this out i am the authority that will determine by interpreting scripture and learning greek and retranslating the bible because all all the other times it's been done aren't good enough and that could Um, be some people's paths to understanding god but yeah but yeah but but likely it's not yeah it's generally just a self justification likely it becomes the right word i I think that likely it becomes idolatry Ooh, you're calling out man i I mean but i mean it could just as easily be said in other ways in in the catholic world Mm -hmm. we're just right now talking about that it's it's all one big yeah mess i think it becomes idolatry (laughs) it becomes idolatry of the self mm-hmm. and of the Bible 
Um, Those are very powerful words you're speaking there, honey. I know. You're going to make some people angry. Well, if they're still listening at this point, they're probably Catholic, so. That's true. (laughs) Um, But anyways, I mean, but again, I could just as easily highlight some things in, you know, amongst Catholics that are issues along those lines. And I could give you a litany of things that I do wrong and I'm still wrestling with, you know. So it's not to say that anybody's Mm -hmm. less. It's just that, you know, some of those things really, that's what uh, you were drawn into the church for is that you didn't want to be your own authority. You didn't want to be an idol of yourself um, or to yourself. Right. And, and I think that, is that like a fair way to kind of, that is a fair way. Yeah. I mean, that's not what I was feeling or thinking in the moment, but looking back in retrospect, I see that um, the authority was what I was wanting. I wanted a home too, because we were church gypsies and, yeah. Even though I had a couple good, great churches with great pastors that I loved, um, I still felt like uh, the ground was still shaky underneath me. Yeah. Because, um, like, sometimes you don't like what they're preaching. So so we would leave and go find a different church. It's like, you can't just pick and choose. Yeah. You, there has to be some kind of truth, like two plus two is four, always. Um. So truth is truth. And another thing that really was an eye opener for me was about the Trinity, like the word Trinity, the Sola Scriptura thing. Trinity is not in the Bible, the word Trinity. And in my Protestant faith, even I just, I loved, I adored the concept of the Trinity. Like some people get weirded out about this three in one God thing, but for some reason that has always just been like, I just grasped it. I just not that I grasp the mystery, no one can, but I mean, I just didn't struggle with it. It was, the Trinity was beautiful. And then I find out, oh, guess who coined that word? Mm -hmm. The Catholic church. Guess who compiled the Bible? The Catholic church. (laughs) Like all these things that were so annoying to me, like were directing me to this. And then um, being brought up in a charismatic church, I never, I'm very much an introvert. So it was hard for me to like raise my hands and like speak in tongues and all that stuff. And I remember being prayed over at one point to get the gift of speaking in tongues and it didn't happen for me. And I was like, but I love Jesus and I can't do this. And I I just felt like such a Mm -hmm. terrible person. And the Steubenville conference that I went to, I was going as a chaperone with your, you were a youth minister at the time. That was your first job. And I was going to help you. And I did not want to be there. Like, I was so scared. There were so many teenagers jumping around. Like 3,000 of them. And there was people speaking in tongues and being slain in the spirit. And I was like, even for me, like being raised in an evangelical church, that was, that was big. That was really intense. And I was like, wait a minute. Catholics have this happening too, which means the Holy Spirit is here too, which means God is moving even in the Catholic church for real. Cause I, I knew this was not fake. Mm-hmm. Like there was just, it was crazy how beautiful it was. And then like, I was always very like, Oh, speaking in tongues is just like weird. And mm-hmm. bleh, I don't believe in it fully. Adoration happened. Um, and it's like such a majestic thing. It's just like a King 
when they bring in the monstrance, it's just like a king is entering this huge stadium filled with thousands of people followed or is he led? No, Jesus leads followed by a big like entourage of priests. It's just such a holy heavenly it really sight. It was so pretty. Yeah. And all the clouds of incense and everything. It was just like, whoa, Incredible. it was crazy. And God was there. And it was so tangible. People were being slain in the spirit, talk, speaking in tongues. And then I was on my knees sobbing and I started to speak in tongues, which I didn't even believe in speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. And you heard me, you were there beside me. Yep. And it was just like the moment I was like, whoa, God is in that Eucharist for real. I don't understand it, but if he wasn't, then all of this would be a sham and it would be idolatry idolizing a piece of bread like that was the moment i was like okay i love that i have to do this now because <laughs> i will be held accountable so yeah. it's really cold in our house why do you always do that so we have a constant war about our thermostat and it's only warm in ohio for like three months out okay. of the year in full disclosure it's because i don't want the cameras to overheat while we're trying to Make this, make this happen. Who cares? Um, so cold. Yeah, and that reminds me, your story, uh, not mm-hmm. the air conditioning, uh, <laughs> that reminds me of, like, in the gospel, even when people encounter Jesus, mm-hmm. they're never the same after. Like, yeah. uh, people that are open-minded or, or, like, willing to receive him, and obviously the Pharisees fall in a different category with the exception of, like, Nicodemus or whatever, but, like, yeah. you know, the people that have a real encounter with Jesus Christ and, like, he shows them his power, um, they leave changed. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been a walk in the park since then. Like yeah. my conversion threw into shock a lot of family tension. I was still living at home because we weren't married yet. Um, and that was hard, very hard for my family to, to understand. But now things are really cool and they support us and our family they do the sign of the cross with my children it's just so wild I love it when they do that like it's yeah it's, it's really cool and i love that they're so understanding and patient yeah and humble enough to yeah to do that you know yeah. so all that to say i don't know <laughs> no that's a that's a profound uh witness of and just, oh, oh okay. another thing so I think that God has been teaching me not to rely on emotions. Oh. And I remember the the day I converted my first communion, I guess, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was the Easter vigil. It was a uh, vigil and I had communion for the first time. Yeah. And I was expecting to like get all of the feelings. I wanted to feel the feelings. I was like, I'm taking Jesus into my body for the first time, you know. And I didn't feel anything. It was really, really kind of a letdown. And I was sitting in the pew crying, not because of like a powerful feeling had overcome me, but because I felt alone. It was really weird. And I think just like Mother Teresa, she's up there on our wall too. You can't really see her in the thing. Oh, you can't see her. Darn it. Um, She experienced a... A lot of like feeling alone, desolation, desolation. and I'm seeing now because I was really angry at God for a few years there because it 
it's come and gone, but the desolation has been pretty constant. Not like terrible, but just annoying. It, like I feel kind of a, numbed emotionally. It's been a weird thing to navigate. To. Yeah, it has been like a, a journey that is like, where is this going? Right. Add to that, like I got married right after we. Yeah. I'm, I, I converted and then I got married a year later. And then I had babies, which is another paradigm shift in its own. So I was going through moving out of my parents' house, becoming a different religion. Well, kind of, yes, it's a different religion, basically. And getting married and then having babies, like just a lot of change. So I think God took out that emotional crutch because he wanted me to rely on this solidness that the church could offer that my emotions weren't going to be able to, to mm. support. He was calling me to a deeper level, not just like, as the scripture says, the baby drinking the milk has to move on and start eating food eventually. And I thought I had been eating food all my life. Like I was very into reading the Bible and stuff. And I always had like great prayer life and stuff, but this was new. This was like a whole new level of solid food. This was like steak <laughs> yeah. and it was hurting my teeth. <laughs> so now we are, well, uh, you know, every, every venture of life has its own struggles, but it's definitely freeing to know that it's okay to not have those mountaintop experiences every time I hear mm -hmm. how great thou art. Like the first, usually whenever I heard how great thou art as a hymn, I would like sob and cry and have these great experiences. But as I've matured as a Christian, like it's not just those things that yeah. help me to know God's there. It's yeah. much more stoic, boring things. <laughs> But, but deep, you know, incredibly profound. It is. Like the, right. Yeah. And, and it's like any relationship. Like you can't base any real relationship on a superficial yes. experiential thing being mm -hmm. what you go to every single time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, Alina, it has been such a joy to have you are you cutting me off here oh did you i have wanna? a whole another 10 years to tell you about i'm oh just kidding <laughs> i'm kidding i am ready for bed going joe rogan on him no um, please no i haven't said enough f words for that <laughs> <laughs> um seriously thank you so much for sharing your story you're welcome it was kind of terrifying I, I always get scared about sharing that it. because i've had so many bad reactions like what so, uh i don't know like just people don't get it yeah, I understand. So I, I try to speak clearly what's in my heart and I can't do that very well. So I you hope I did all right. You do a beautiful job. Okay. And I'm confident that someone listening um, is going to relate to it and, and benefit from hearing your story and and or know someone that they want to share it with that yeah. is going through something similar. Um, conversion is difficult. Changing yeah, is. your worldview on anything is difficult mm -hmm. and you did it heroically and i love you for I don't it know, i pretty much I'm kicked and screamed you. the whole time yeah but, <laughs> but you did it and you did it heroically Thank despite you. a lot of reasons you could have not mm. so you're you're amazing thanks babe
I mean, anytime. <laughs> this show, The Awakened Catholic Show, and uh, all shows on Awakened Catholic yes. are made possible by The Awakened Nation. If you want to support uh, this, the making of this show and, and that hand that's popping out here... <laughs> Um, uh, and all the other shows on the platform, please definitely check out awakencatholic.org slash donate and uh, join the Awakened Nation by making a tax-deductible recurring donation for as cheap as the price of a cup of coffee a week. Additionally, download the Halo app. What is this? What are you, what are you doing? Props. Oh my gosh. Uh, download the Halo app. Uh, it's an incredible prayer and meditation app. Uh, we are so pumped. It forces you to breathe. Which we is... love that we partnered with them. And did you want to tell them about the app? I'm not on the camera. They You're don't right. want to see Here. my face. <laughs> it forces you to breathe, which I don't like to do. <laughs> <laughs> All of that for that. <laughs> um, so if you want, there's a free version of the app, but there's also a premium version. No, and it's really good. If you go through our website, you get one month for free of the premium version. Highly recommend it. I use it every single day. Alina seems to like it. Uh, the fact that it helps her breathe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. If you're still with us for some reason, uh, God bless you. And yeah. uh See you next time here on The Awakened Catholic Show. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by The Awakened Nation and the Hollow app. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.